0: Last week, I preached a message called Ground Zero. It was not meant to be a series, but it kind of is turning into a mini-series. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, Ground Zero, here's the definition. The center of origin of rapid activity or change. Here's what our Ground Zero is. Every battle you win or lose started at Ground Zero right here. Right here in your mind. Every bad decision you made started right here. Now, listen, if you know me, the quieter you are, the longer I preach. (laughs) So even if you have to say, oh, my, or ouch, just anything. uh, But but everything, every failure, every success, ground zero, started right here. And, And we talked about this. I'll give you a little rehashing of it. Here's what we said. Change your thinking, change your life. Change your thinking. Because why? Our lives are constantly moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Constantly moving. You you and I, we talked about this. We're in a war. What do you mean war? We're in a war between God's truth and the enemy's lies and deception. What God says about our kids, about our identity, and what the enemy says. We're in a war. We talked about these strongholds that get built, uh, that that hold us in. Those strongholds are built lie upon lie upon lie to the point where they're no longer lies to us, but we've taken them on as truth. We talked about you got to break those down. And Paul said, hey, you've got this dunamis power to demolish every stronghold. And we've got to capture those stalls, take them captive. And I ask this question. We start out with a question. How many, and I I named off whether in your finances, your relationships, your marriage, your health, you name it. If you want the next three months as we go into 2024 something to be different or better than it was the past nine months, raise your hand. And, man, everybody. Oh, oh, yeah, raise your hand. And and so we did, because everybody has something they want different or better going in it. So today, I want to ask another question starting out. And I already know the answer to this, so we're just going to find out how truthful and honest you are. How many have ever made a irrational decision that made no sense at all? Now, keep them up, because... I want you to look, because if somebody beside you doesn't have their hand up, introduce yourself, because you just met Jesus. (laughs) We all do it. For instance, last week we talked about, man, capturing those thoughts, and you left here thinking, I'm going to capture my thoughts, man. I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to get healthy, and I'm going to start putting good stuff in this body. And you left here with that mindset. Then you showed up Monday morning at work, and somebody had brought in two dozen with a hot sign on, Krispy Kreme donuts, and you didn't just eat. Some of y'all are salivating right now. You didn't just eat one, but you ate a half dozen of those babies. You went from this mindset to I'm I'm making a rational decision. To that, come on, can you relate? Absolutely, Lord. You made the decision last week, I'm going to be more financially stable. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to start spending my money. I'm going to quit spending my money on things I don't need. And, in fact, we're going to, me and my wife, we're going to go through Financial Peace University. We're going to get our lives together. We're going to get going because, you know what, Amazon doesn't need to show up at my door every day. Yeah, I felt that one. I felt that one. And you make this decision, but then you see that pair of shoes. We learned Friday night about girl math. I didn't know this was a thing until Stephen Furtick talked about it. But you see that pair of shoes you've been wanting, 30% off. And girl math says, I'm going to save so much money by buying this item right here. Well, you buy it, see, girl math. It doesn't make sense. Uh, So, listen, we don't point fingers. We show grace here because I'm going to hit you here in a minute. Um, But then when you buy those shoes, you know what? I need a new outfit to go with these shoes. It reminded me of this story of this couple that had decided, hey, we're going to start being more financially responsible. They come up with a plan. We're not going to spend money that we don't need. We've got enough clothes. We've got enough of this. We're not, we're, we're, again, we're going to do financial peace. They both got on board with this plan. Then one day the wife is out doing a little window shopping. She sees this dress. She tries that dress on, and it's just screaming her name. And so she reconciles this in her mind. You know what? Our closets are so packed. I can buy this, sneak this in the closet. He'll never know I even bought it. Some of y'all, I say, I'm really hitting some of you. So she does it. She buys it, sticks there in the closet. About a week goes by. The husband's looking for some clothes, and he pulls this new dress out. Honey, did, did you buy a new dress? It, it looks so good. She said, he, I thought we decided we're not going to buy anything new. She said, but, baby, it looks so good on me. I was looking at, He said, listen, we talked about this. Anytime the enemy comes and tries to get you off course, you say, get behind me, Satan. She said, I did. And he said, Oh, it looks good from back here, too. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Man, don't... <laughs> All right, men, don't, you're not off the hook. You'll show up at Cabela's or Bass Pro Shop, and that light is hovering on that, over that gun case or those fishing rods, and you begin to reason out why you need another gun to add to the 15 guns you already have. And what happens is, the following week, you made decisions. We're going to be financially responsible. And then something happened where we make irrational, irresponsible decisions. And most of the time, they're based on feelings, emotions. I heard a guy say this. He said, listen, if my feelings, if I had a friend that liked me as much as my feelings, I wouldn't be their friend anymore. Because feelings, emotions will lie to you. So so why do we do that? Why do we allow these things to happen? Because here's what I'm, in in those moments, our vision gets blurred. It, it It either gets blurred by anger, by hurt, by wrong passions, by feelings or emotions, and we've got to learn to begin to see things differently than what we've been seeing them. So how do we do that? Here's how you do it with what I like to call a God filter. And today, if you hurry for the low price of $29.99, you can have this God filter. And if you hurry up, I'll throw in another one extra. Uh, Don't you wish it were that easy? I could just buy. Buy something to make me see things differently. But while it's not as simple as that, it is possible. It is possible. Philippians 4, we've been looking at Paul a lot. Um, Paul fought a lot of mental battles. I mean, he, he did. He fought and he learned how to see his battles differently. And I'm of the mindset where if I want to do something and there's somebody out there that has learned to do it really well, I'm, I want to see what they did. And Paul is one of those people. We can learn a lot of how to put on this God filter from Paul. Uh, When we read this verse here here in Philippians, I want you to think about where Paul is at. He's writing this verse from a prison cell. Here's what he says, Philippians 4.8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, Lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul doesn't say, "Hey guys, one final thing. Pray for me. Things are not going good. I'm in jail. So what I really need you to do right now is get us a little prayer chain going on Facebook. Start it up. That hey, Paul needs prayer. No, no, Paul. It would have been easy for him to do that. But Paul says, no, 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 one more thing. But but before I close this letter out, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is honorable. Fix your thoughts on what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Fix your thoughts. It's like Paul is saying, hey guys, when everything is coming at you from what seems like a million different directions and you're getting hit and le- hitting left and right, you're going to want to doubt. You're going to want to worry. You're going to want anxiety, let anxiety settle in. You're going to want to go back to that sin or that addiction. But what I need you to do is fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. The King James says meditate on these things. I'm telling you guys, this is so important that we learn to do this. Why? Because our lives are moving in the direction of our our strongest thoughts. Your thoughts shape you. Your thoughts direct you. They ultimately form who you become. And here's the truth if you're taking notes. If you cannot control what you think, you will never control what you do. We gotta begin retraining our mind because our minds have been trained to go a certain way and think certain thoughts. But let me tell you, this doesn't just happen overnight. I I wish it did. I wish you could pray a prayer and bam, man, I think see things so much clearer. But the truth is, there are days I've got my God filter on and I'm seeing it, I'm looking at it. Then there are days like I let that baby at home. And I'm letting my emotions guide me. Come on. I'm letting my feelings. uh, And I say that because we want it to happen overnight, but here's the truth. You've been developing this thought pattern for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years or more. You can't expect overnight. I've seen it happen, but for most of us, it is a process. Are you with me, Church. Uh, You've heard me talk about um, I've got a little accountability group uh, between me, Casey, Ben, Bob, Jonathan, uh, Brent. Brent Brent likes to call it the fat group. Uh, But we try to hold each other accountable to what we're eating, our exercise, making sure we're doing that. Here's what I'm learning. Let's say I start going to the gym, hitting the gym three to five times a week. I go to Hammer Time Fitness, that is owned and operated by our our youth pastors. I've been in Amanda. See them for more info. But I go there. They, They let me go there for free, so I give this advertisement. No, they don't. So I start going in there three, five times a week. I'm lifting weight. I'm throwing iron around. I think that's what they call it. But I'm doing all the work. Here's the fact: I'm going to get a little bit healthier. I mean that I'm going I may lose a little bit of weight. But if I really want to affect what my my health choices, my lifestyle more than pumping iron, more than going in and working out, what I put into this body is going to do a lot more than than me showing up at the gym. Now that's important. But one study I read said 25% of a person's health or weight loss is exercise. 75% is their diet, what they put into it. It is the same with our minds. It's more than what I do with my mind. If I want to develop a healthy, God-honoring, God-centered mind, it's not just about what I do with it, but it's more about what I allow to be put into it. A couple years back, Denise and I had watched this movie about this uh, family that was going through. The mom uh, and the wife had, had Alzheimer's, and, uh, and, and so they were having a real hard. It was kind of toward the end of, of, of her life, and so the sister had been gone for a while, flies back into town, and her and her brother are sitting on the porch just talking about it, and he, he pulls out a cigarette and lights it up and begins to smoke, And she says, I thought you quit. He said, I did. She said, what happened? Life. That's what happened. Some of y'all can relate. I think Paul knows life is going to happen. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, life is going to happen. I mean, you may lose your job, get laid off. Doctor, give you a bad report. You get served divorce papers. Find out your kids are struggling in a certain area. Paul knew that this life would deal you some blows. And he says, hey, when this happened, I need you to remember this one thing. Fix your thoughts on these things. Anybody heard of a term called cognitive bias? Here, pull up that definition. Here's what it is. A mistake in reasoning, often occurring as a result of holding on to one's preferences and beliefs regardless of contrary information. Are we not seeing a lot of cognitive bias today? Despite evidence, I'm I'm trying to decide whether to wait out here a little bit or not. We want to believe There's 140, 150 genders. Despite what science is telling us, hey, there's male, there is female. But what happens? Cognitive biases set in. And regardless of all this, we've settled for this version of the truth over God's version of the truth. Are you following me? And and, uh, y'all know me, man. We love anybody and everybody here. But I also believe i got to preach what God's Word says. And I love you because, man, listen, there ain't a person in this room that ain't jacked up in some way. And we're on this journey trying to find God and have him heal those broken parts of us. So I won't look at your jacked up, what am I saying, jacked up us. (laughs) jacked up us differently than I look at my own. Are you with me? behavioreconomics.com said this about it a cognitive bias is a systematic non-random error in thinking they also said this when we have a cognitive bias get this we've got this mental filter Or framework that is not always true. And that cognitive bias or mental filter or framework causes us to have wrong thoughts or beliefs that then causes us to make errors in judgment. In other words, you are not seeing things as they really are. You've got your own version of of reality. Your vision has been distorted by wrong thoughts, wrong beliefs, or as we talked about last week, you've believed a lie long enough. Now it's a stronghold in your life because it's become true to you. Here's the biggest issue with cognitive bias in in our culture. It discolors the way we see things, blurs the way we see things. And it can cause you to look at people with different ethnicities wrongly. I might as well go on out deeper. It can cause you to look at people with a different political party than what you think wrongly. Because what it does, it causes you to assume things about people. And don't assume you know somebody's heart. That's all right. I'm telling you, we make assumptions and decisions that are wrong based off this cognitive bias. You ever wonder why two people can be put in the exact same circumstance or situation but have two totally different responses to that situation? Uh, Like, uh, same environment, same situation, two totally different responses. What's the difference? That mental filter or framework. When I was in business with my brother Stephen, I could sit down and have a conversation with two employees about the same thing. Hey, here's where you really need to improve. You need to step it up in this area right here. Here's a better way to do it. And get two different responses. One would be, you don't know what you're talking about. The way I'm doing it's fine. And the other would be like, man, thank you for telling me that. This is, uh, thank you for helping me and want the better for me. What is the difference? The mental filter that these two people listen to it in. Well, one person can walk into this place and say, oh, the church is full of hypocrites. That person, more than likely, is not going to have a pleasant experience compared to the person that walks in here and says, yeah, Christians ain't perfect, but neither am I. Let's see what God can do. Right. Yeah. But here's what I find so funny. People that will say the church is full of hypocrites, that's why I don't go, they still go to Walmart. <laughs> they go to Target. There's hypocrites there too. Okay. Now, yeah, they're like, hey, the church is full of hypocrites. I'm right. I'm like, you're right. There's always room for one more. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> what is the difference? It's, in, it's not the environment that's different. It's not the situation that's different. It's not the facts that are different. It's the filter. Can, can, you know, this could even impact how you see God as Father. See, I grew up with a great father. I mean, my dad was an incredible man. And, and he, he brought me up. He taught me how to ride bicycles, how to ride motorcycles, how to jump ramps. I mean, all the stuff that they tell you not to do today. Hey, my dad was showing me how to do it. Uh, he took me to work with him. He, we would go on trips. He coached me in T-ball and, and in Little League. I mean, I had a great dad. So when it, was, when it came to me seeing God, Father, in a good light, I didn't have a problem. But I've counseled with a lot of people that did not have that same experience. They had an absent dad. They had a dad that was abusive, whether verbally, physically, or even molested them. They had a dad that, was, that, that they could not do good enough, could not be, couldn't bring home good enough grades. And so for them, it's hard for them to see God as a loving father because their filter got distorted growing up. And we've got to learn how to see things different. Here, see, see, while the facts about our heavenly father are exactly the same, what makes it different is the filter someone is seeing him through. So my goal today is for us to change how we see things. Change how we filter things. I'm reminded of this, young, this, this young kid that loved baseball. And, uh, man, he, he would make this, say, I am the greatest batter of all time one day, he's out in his backyard. He's like, I'm the greatest hitter of all times. He throws that ball up in the air, swings and misses. He's like, oh, that's all right. I'm still the greatest hitter of all time. He throws that ball up there, swings, misses. That's all right. I'm still the greatest hitter of all time. He throws that ball up third time, misses it again. He's like, I can't believe this. Not only am I the greatest batter of all times, I'm the greatest pitcher of all times. (laughs) How do you see it? How do you see it? See, here's the truth. Between the two services, the 9 a.m. and the 11 a.m., we'll have somewhere between 300, 350 people and kids come through this building. Same service, same worship set, same message, but what you get out of it will determine how you filtered it. Like if you walk in there, oh, great. Bob's going to make us stand up and worship again. We get it, Bob. Sing a little louder. Yeah, sing a little louder. Come on now. Yeah, we can all oh, sing of his love forever, but I've about had enough. Can we just bring that? Come on. Oh, here we go again. It's offering time. We don't even have offer plates. We have buckets. What kind of church has buckets? (laughs) What kind of experience is that person that is filtering their experience like that? They're not going to have a good experience at all. But the person that comes in here like this, oh, it's worship time. I'm not even going to, the countdown's on 10, 9. I'm going to stay, I got to stretch before worship starts. Hold on, hold on, let me get it going. And then I'm going to be the loudest singer because I know God is good. That per- oh, it's time to give? Oh, thank you, Jesus. I get to give again. Chances are that person is going to leave here with an incredible experience that they had at church. What was the difference? Same service, same worship set, same message? The filter. The filter. If you're taking notes, second truth. You cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you choose to filter it. Paul was great at refiltering things. See, Paul wanted God to send him to Rome. He he had a heart for Rome. He's like, if I can get to Rome, preach the gospel to these people, to the leaders there. That will help in the spreading of the gospel. And Paul found himself in Rome, but not the type of ministry he was wanting. He didn't think he was going to be there as a prisoner setting up a prison ministry. See, here's the thing. What Paul wanted to happen, what Paul thought should be happening, what Paul had hoped to happen was not happening And that's where some of you are today. You made plans. You had hopes of how your life would turn out. And things are not going according to plan. Some of you thought, if I can just graduate college, if I can just get that degree, then I can go get the job I want. You went to college. You got the degree. And now you're working in a job that you're overqualified for in an area that you didn't even go to school for. And you're wondering, this is not what I planned. Your goal was to find true love, get married, settle down, white picket fences. You found love. Five years later, you're going through a nasty divorce. Divorce was not part of the plan. Thought you were going to be this great athlete, or just have a good life, and you got injured. And then you found yourself addicted to the very medicine that they were trying to use to heal you. And this was not part of the plan. Are are you following me? Or maybe you're older now. And you just thought, you know, by this point in my life, I thought I'd have life figured out, know what I'm doing, and I have no clue where I'm going. Or maybe you're like, you know what, my plan is to to watch my kids grow, watch my grandkids grow up, watch them get married. And now a doctor's report is telling you that's not going to happen. And you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you choose to filter it. So how are you going to filter that situation? How are you going to filter that report? How are you going to filter the divorce papers you got served? How are you going to filter that, your kids' bad decisions they're making? How are you going to filter the mess that you found yourself in? Because that's kind of where Paul is at. Paul's like, I wanted to go to Rome. Well, I'm at Rome. But I'm facing possible execution as a Prisoner. Here's how Paul could have written it. Don't, don't bring it up because this is different. Ephesians 1, he could have, this is what I call the NWV version, the new Winer's version. Paul could have sat in that cell and wrote something like this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me is wrong, and it's a bunch of scubula. If y'all have heard me teach on that, y'all know what that means anyway. As a result of all that, of all I'm going through, I'm going to let you know, and I'm going to let everybody know that I'm quitting church and the ministry, Paul. Paul could have very easily focused on everything bad going on in his life, right? And who would have blamed him? But here's what Paul actually said, Ephesians 1, starting with verse 12. I want you to know, dear ones, get this, what has happened to me? has not hindered at all, but helped my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to spread, expand and spread to many people. Look at this. For now, he's in a Roman prison, the elite Roman guards and government officials overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that I'm here because of my love for the anointed one. Paul could have easily said, He could have filtered it in a negative way. Who would have blamed him? But you know what Paul did? Paul says, you know what? I didn't want to be in this prison. And they think they've got me. But what they don't realize is they're chaining me to a guard that changes out every eight hours. And every eight hours, I've got a new person to preach this gospel to and tell him what God has done. They've not done anything to me but help me spread the news. And then you look at what he says in verse 14. And what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the Word of God. Look at this, all because of my chains. Because of my chains, because of my situation I didn't want to go through because of the pain I didn't want to, want to happen in my life. God is using that to strengthen my brothers and sisters, to make them even more courageous, and it's all happening because of my chains. Man, I want to see things like Paul sees them. Come on, anybody else? We can get a wrong order at the Walmart. Oh, my life is falling apart. Come on. I want to give you three things uh, to help you develop this God filter. If I can get uh, Bob and the team to come on up because we're going to shoot through these really quick. First, thank God for what didn't happen. Thank God for some things in your life that didn't happen. I got a lot of stories today. I don't know why. Remind this story of this guy named Larry. He's walking down the road. Comes across this, his buddy, Jim, he hadn't seen since high school. He's like, Jim, how, how's things going, man? How, how are they going? He goes, not good, bro. Larry said, what's wrong? Well, I've lost my job. I can't take care of my family. I got a notice from the bank that my car payments four months passed through and they're coming to get it. Larry looked at Jim and said, well, it could have been worse. About a month later, Larry runs into Jim again. Hey, how are things going? Jim's not good, man. Not good at all. My house burned down last week. Larry looked at Jim and says, Well, things could have been worse. He runs into him about a month later. He says, Hey, how are things going? He says, Man, it just keeps getting worse and worse. I'm having one tragedy after another. My wife has left me and things are just getting terrible. Well, Larry nods his head and says, You know what? Could have been worse. Well, Jim's had it up to this point. He says, I want you to tell me. I told you tragedy over tragedy over tragedy about what's going on in my life. And all you could say is, It could have been worse. Tell me, how could it have been worse? Larry says, Could have happened to me. Sometimes you got to thank God for what didn't happen to you. Come on, maybe you don't—you're not getting that Christmas bonus that you were expected to get from work. Maybe the way you frame it is, you know what? God, I thank you that I did not lose my job. On top of that, come on, maybe you—maybe you fell in love, had your heart broken, and that person walked out on you, and you see them a few years later, and you're like, thank. God, I didn't get what I wanted. It's like Garth Brooks, thank God for unanswered prayers. Come on. Or you have that car wreck. You mess your car up. You can frame it, hey, oh, great, my insurance is going to go up. Or you can say, you know what, thank you, God, that I wasn't seriously injured. You got to thank God for what didn't happen. Second, begin to pre-filter. I'm telling you, I pre-filter every meeting I go into, whether it's church-related, business-related counseling. I'll say, God, give me the wisdom. Help me to hear with your ears. Help me not to say. My wife, we were talking about this Friday night. There, when we first started pastoring, uh, my, my wife would say, she started have to pray this. God, help my face not to say what my mouth is trying not to say. Because didn't, she didn't have to say a word. You knew she was displeased with whatever you were doing. And, uh, and God has, so we pre-filter that. God, help me. If you're going into a job interview, if you're going into, ha- you have to have a hard conversation with somebody. You've got some things going on. You pre-filter that. God, help me. Let me have the mind of Christ in this. God, regardless of the situation, regardless of how this turns out, I know you are for me. I know, and you begin to pre-filter those things in the third. Start looking for the goodness of God. See, here's the truth. If you look for the bad, you'll find the bad. If you look for the negative, you'll find the negative. You want to look for what's wrong here, What's Bar Community Church, you'll find a lot of things wrong here. You can choose to pick people apart if that's how you want to live your life. You can choose to be like the majority of online warriors who look for things that somebody did twenty years ago and bring them out to try to destroy somebody. You can be that because if you look for it, you will find it. Or you can choose to start looking for the goodness of God. You can choose to start looking for the faithfulness of God. Sing that verse in chorus. I love you, Lord. For oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days, I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I hey. in my head, oh, I will see of the goodness of God. It's all my life. Cause all my life you have been faithful, and all my life you have been so, so good with this room. I'm going to give you the last fill in. I think I've already covered it but truth is you will find what you're looking for. That's why you can go down the road and you see a group of buzzards that are hovering and, and just devouring this dead animal. You know why? Because that's what they were looking for. But you look at a hummingbird that's flying around and it's looking for something sweet and it finds it because you find what you're looking for. Look for the goodness of God. Look for the faithfulness of God. See, Paul said, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, lovely, and admirable, admirable. Think about these things. That word think there in the Greek, it literally means to count up or weigh to recall, to determine, to purpose, or decide. Here's what I'm talking about. When those thoughts start coming in, when you're being hit left and right, Paul says, don't lose focus. Don't let those negative things, that bad report, don't let that steal all of your attention. But think on these things. You know, the other night we had this conversation. The guy, he said, hey, BK, He's telling me about somebody gets on his nerves. And he says, it, actually, I changed his story. It's like I was telling them. No, no. But he says, is it wrong for me to think this thought? I said, no, it's not wrong. But What's wrong is when you dwell on that thought. Because then it builds up a cognitive bias where you can't see them as they truly. Paul says that when it's happened to you, begin to recall the blessings of God in your life. Begin to count the blessings of God. Decide. Make a decision. You're not going to stay here in this pit. I saw this play out with my mom and dad toward both of the end of their lives and the sicknesses they were dealing with. It would have been very easy for my dad to have said, you know what, God, why is this happening? I gave up a business to build this church here. And you're going to let me have brain cancer. Never saw that once. Why? Because dad chose to look for the goodness and the faithfulness of God in everything. I saw it with my mom in the end of toward the end of her life. Been very easy for her to have said, God, why did you allow my husband to die? We've given our lives to you you allowed him to die and now I'm trying to pastor this church and now I've been hit with a stroke and I can't see hardly see anything why? it would have been very easy no one would have blamed her for filtering it like that I cannot tell you on more than one occasion toward the end of her life I watched her right there she didn't have the strength to stand but she put her hands up and say oh my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good every breath that I have oh I must of the goodness of God how could she do that how could she in the situation that she was in Jesus say all my life you've been She understood this Even on my worst day God is still good Even on my worst day God is still active Even on my worst day He is still present Even on my worst day He's still a healer Even on my worst day He's still a provider Even on my worst day He is for me Not against me See I know I know a lot of the stories And I know it takes a lot of you, everything, just to get up and get here. And some of you didn't even want to be here today, but it's no accident. You were brought here so so you can hear me say this from him. God is for you. God is still active. God is still involved. God still cares about you. God still wants the best for you. scripture, man, this wasn't, so it won't come up on the screen, but it was part of one of my devotions I was reading this morning. And in fact, it, it, I get this text devotional, and I saw it come up, and I thought, I don't have time for that. And something says, read it. And man, the scripture came up. I felt the Holy Spirit says, somebody needs this word today. Because you're walking through some stuff, and you're having a hard time Filtering it with that God filter. and seeing the God filter. Look, look at this, 1 Peter five ten. Then, after your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, get this, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Uh, I didn't get to read the last sentences. Yes, He will set you firmly in place and build you up. Anybody need that? Come on, now. See, even in your wanting. Even in your waiting, even in your questions, even in whatever's going on in your life, you need to remember and call to mind. God is still good. God is still active. God is still amazing. And I'm telling you, I'm going to look for the blessing. I'm going to look for the goodness. I'm going to look for the faithfulness of God in everything. Come on, sing it, say.